I'm going to be very candid with you. We are living in a computer program. Welcome, everyone, to Simulation Nation, your portal to all things virtual. I'm your host, Graham Tallman, and I'm here to keep you informed about all that's happening in virtual reality. We record our episodes live in Altspace every week. You could join us from your PC or VR headset. Just uh, log into Altspace, join our Simulation Nation channel, and teleport in to offer your opinion, question, or whatever else. Today, we have uh, with us the founder of Prodigia Games, Gareth Hughes. Gareth is an independent developer. (laughs) <laughs> who is uh, working on VR games and robotic integration, which sounds incredibly impressive. We're going to hear all about it. Ladies and gentlemen, give a warm emoji welcome for Gareth. Hello, everybody. Thank you. Give thank it you, up. Thank you. Feeling the love. <laughs> <laughs> Feel the love. Yes, we've got uh, the Glenn is here and Daddy Hint and Rachel and uh, who here? Who, by the way, who else here is a is a um, independent developer or VR programmer? Anyone here? Or are you just interested to see what he has to say? No. Okay. Great. Well, you're 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 going to teach us all these things, baby. Here, we'll see. Um, but. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gl- I'm just I'm glad you could come. You're you're sort of a, uh, one of our community members online, and we're really happy that we can bring this together and come face to face and kind of uh, a talk for a bit, as opposed to just sort of <laughs> communicating over Facebook or Instagram and all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, it's it's really great to have you. How how are things been going for you uh, outside oh. of VR stuff? Is everything okay in the pandemic? You're getting your shots. We got old fart over here just yeah, got no, his shot. Things are going well. The- I'm still waiting for everything to get back to normal, just like everyone is. But uh, uh, being in the group that I am, probably I won't get mine until that last wave. But, uh, you know, a lot of the family and stuff who are kind of higher risk are, are, you know, getting it. So I'm feeling a little better now. Um, So, um, I mean, for me, everything is things haven't really changed that much because I always wanted to stay in anyway. But, uh, (laughs) you know, it's one of those things where it just... uh, Right, Sometimes right. You, you now you get the urge where you want to go out and it's like, oh, I, I can't. So, uh, but I mean, you know, yeah. I stay positive. So well, I, I wonder if it'll change the, it, the, the acceleration of VR. I don't know if anyone's thought about that. Like, I feel like, uh, there was like this big push in Oculus, in Oculus, uh, quest twos and everyone was buying it because they were stuck at home. I wonder if once we get out again, people will be like the metaverse. What? Who cares? I got the real world to deal with. <laughs> I don't know. That's hard to say. Yeah. Because I mean, I, I think it definitely did help the, the the saturation of the market, which is a, for for me is a good thing. Because I mean, I've always been fascinated. I was one of those people that got uh, fascinated with it in the first wave back in like the early nineties. Oh wow! And I went into I think it was Knott's Berry Farm when they had the big old pedestals and you put the brick on your head and it's like fifteen frames a second and you spin around and then you throw up and you're like that was awesome. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where you just. I don't know. I think that it's going to stay popular because I think that it appeals to a different crowd. Right. Um, and I think, I think it was one of the episodes that you were talking about. I, I, all my sources get mixed up, but, um, uh, you were saying that, that people feel more secure to be themselves in Mm -hmm. VR, Mm -hmm. which I think is, is definitely true. I mean, uh, when I came in and I was just kind of messing around, kind of finding my way around, I went to the, the campfire, like the public space. And there is still definitely that, okay, these are people, and uh, I got to, you know, but, but at the same time, there is that, that feeling where you're like, okay, well, this is, there, there's nothing that can happen to me here. Right. 
So yeah. I think it's definitely a good thing. And I think it will still have its its place. You know, you could as the uh, as the graphics get better and better in here, I'm sure that we're going to get more and more of a feeling of the real world. So uh, it's kind of crazy. We'll see what happens. Um, but you sort of touched on the origin story of the Gareth Hughes and his relationship with VR. <laughs> it was way back in the 90s. That's uh, that's interesting. So you were you, Knott's Berry Farms or what was it that you were starting in? I, I think it was either Knott's or Six Flags. I don't remember. I mean, I, I was probably, it was, must've been 92, 93. So I was, I mean, I, I was, I was born in 85. So you're right. talking upper single digits. So right. uh, it's a bit muddy, but I just remember that my brother and I went in there and it was this like cramped little kiosk and you put it on there and it, it, the game was, um, it's like you chase each other around and you're trying to catch these, like you're trying to collect these eggs and if you see each other, you kind of try and shoot at each other. And it, it it wasn't great by any means. And in retrospect, if I went back now, I'd probably be like this. Uh, yeah, this is. Mm. Of but course. So it wasn't life changing for me. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't life changing, but you definitely remember it. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there was that. There was the. Uh, and that's weird. My mic thing just came up. Can you still hear me? OK. Yep. OK. Um, yeah, it was just the whole kind of zeitgeist at that time you have uh lawnmower man um and that's the thing we were we were able to watch a lot of movies that we probably shouldn't have at that age <laughs> so like movies like lawnmower man and uh all those kind of like tech horror films of the the early 90s uh and it just made for this really kind of fascinating you know fascination with with vr with video games and of course we grew up with the nes the super nes yeah. and so that was you know, that's like the cornerstone of my background is that we were either playing games or we were talking about playing games or we were thinking about playing games. And so, um, so yeah, it just kind of was a natural progression. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, we had to wait a long time for the real reality virtual reality to get here. Right. I mean, in the mid nineties, there was like this huge wave and it was like, cause that was like just when we were just when the internet was sort of being born and then people were already extrapolating out like, Oh, but this could be like something that we enter as opposed to a website that we visit. And so then there was that huge uh, buzz and the matrix that sort of peaked around 99 or something like that. And then we had to wait a long time. So how, how did you, uh, uh, how did you bridge that gap? And then where did you jump back in? Ah, oh, well, that, that's where talking about my background gets complicated because on the one hand, I've always had this fascination, but on the other hand, I just kind of had to do what I had to do to pay the bills. And so I've actually not worked in game design professionally um, for a number of reasons. I, some of them are more legit than others. A lot of it was self-sabotage and just like, you know, when you're kind of teaching yourself and stuff like that, when there's no authority figure to say, okay, you've learned enough. Now you're able to start applying. Then you just kind of end up where you're like, I just have to learn everything. Right. And of course, you know, any developers who are, you know, familiar with it, they're like, yeah, people who start don't know everything. And really the best devs are the ones who say, I still have so much left to learn. Yeah. But of course, you know, I had no, no frame of reference and I, because I went to school for graphic design and animation, but okay. it was back in 2005. And that was of course, getting out of school in the middle of a recession. So right. discretionary jobs like artists and things like that were tough to come by anyway. And, uh, and then of course, after that, you have, like I said, that whole idea of, well, am I good enough yet? Am I good enough yet? And so, so I've been consistently studying and learning and I've jumped from engine to engine, but, uh, really the only thing that really drew me was the idea of VR. And I've known since, you know, the, the Oculus first started coming out, I was like, I got to get into this. I got to get into this. And 
for financial reasons, obviously, those early headsets and the early systems were prohibitively expensive. And uh, so it, it was really tough for me to get into. And so that's why I, I feel so much like I'm just at the beginning of that road. Whereas, you know, I've been thinking about it for so long that it's like that makes the manifestation of that easier. Totally. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, you're not the first person to come up here and say they started in graphic design. It feels like that's a natural bridge that people um, do because it, you really are you really are having to if you're going to be designing any kind of a game, there's a lot of graphic element there, obviously, that is going to be a big yeah. uh, component of that. So it completely makes sense. And on top of that, the, the software that you use, I think, in graphic design has sort of become it went into like 3d modeling and things like that and that's the and then of course the extension of that is vr which that would you say that's sort of the yeah path you're headed down yeah right i think i think so because i mean you know like i loved um well it's it's the thing I, I come from a really artistic eclectic family anyway and so we grew up you know we'd play street fighter and then we'd when we couldn't be playing we'd just be drawing characters of our own and we'd be putting those you know up in matches of, you know, just completely imaginary. But um, the problem is that my older brother can draw circles around me. Mm. Like, I, I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm bad, but when you've got a sibling that's so much better than you, then you're like, I got to find something that I'm good at then. So that's where I really gravitated towards the technical side of stuff because it's like, you know, well, I can pick up 3D Studio Max, which was the first one I worked on, and I think that was Max 2 at that point. And uh, so... You know, you're talking about, OK, you can put some bones together and attach it to it to make it look vaguely like a person. Mm -hmm. But uh, I mean, compared to what you have now, it's just it's crazy. Right. So that's part of it, too, is that the technology had to progress to a point where, you know, I could engage with the technology to start developing. Mm -hmm. uh, because if you, you know, if you're working with something like early versions of Photoshop, um, it's funny. You should actually go online on YouTube and look at people using Photoshop version one. And you're like, whoa, this is, it's, it's really kind of a head trip looking at where it came from and the stuff that we just kind of take for granted now. Right. Totally. So that makes sense. So, okay. So that you, you're in graphic design and then what is your first sort of modern experience with VR? And when did you start thinking I'm going to, you know, uh, spend a little more of my time developing this kind of stuff? Ah, uh, well the, I'm trying to remember the exact time frame, but it was a, it was a friend's house. He had the, uh, the HTC Vive. And uh, at that point, I already knew I was like, I, I, I need to get involved with this. And so knowing that he had it. And, and one time we went over for a party and he's like, oh, yeah, I got it set up. We should check it out. And I did the um, Richie's Plank uh -huh. experience. Right. And uh, and I was like, because I'd seen videos and stuff online, but I was it, it it is every time you start a new experience in VR, whether it's, you know, coming into it cold and doing that, or like in this case where I'm used to, I, you know, I play Boneworks all the time and I can run mm -hmm. around and I can spin and, and I don't get motion sick or anything, but you put a person in front of me and I'm like, hmm. <laughs> so, you know, right. it's, it's, it's one of those things where every, every experience that you're used to becomes a new experience in VR and you kind of have to re redo everything for the first time. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's a, uh, Oh, I'm on a tangent. Where did, where did I come from? <laughs> no, no, not at all. That's, um, so you're, yeah, you saw the HTC Vive. You tried Richie's plank, and walking on a pl walking on a piece of wood became new to you again because you thought you were eighty yeah. stories up. Yeah, because I, I I looked down and I'm like, oh my goodness, I, you know, it, that enough is a, that that's a trip enough. And then the fact that it's an active choice, he's all okay. Now step off of it, and I was like, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, it was just that, and I knew 
kind of going into it that that was going to be the experience. And that's, that's really what's drawn me to VR the whole time is that, uh, Games on screens, I won't say bad about them because they, I don't think that even as VR starts to grow, that there's not going to be a place for them. But when you're talking about immersion and you're talking about experiences um, and, and even non-game type stuff, like the the guest that you had on here who was doing the, uh, uh, what was it, kind of the social um, awareness of yeah. kind of prejudice in the medical yeah, field. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's like... I can see how that could be so much more effective Mm -hmm. than just going in and, and, you know, okay, you read a book or you take a, a, you watch a video for a class, but when you're in here, it's like a whole different experience. What happens here is like, it's actually happening. Mm -hmm. And I think that that activates a different part of your brain. Mm -hmm. And that really will, will cement those kinds of, of things in a way that no other medium so far can. Totally. Well, I, you know, I was talking to Old Fart earlier, and we, I, I, I mentioned a, f- a few times I'm, I come from the film industry, and I, you know, it's like I, everything sort of became a little bit stale in there, and it was like, okay, same mm. stories, always sort of, you know, same structure, same <laughs> everything, and then suddenly you hop in here, and it's like my imagination. If you could take like a, uh, you know, an MRI of my brain, it was like all the <laughs> centers were activated, and it was like everything was new again, just kind of like what you're saying, and it's like, wow, just imagine the possibilities in here. And then suddenly you're creating stories, but they're 3D and it's really wild. So I, I totally get that. Right. Um, uh, so then, okay. So then you've got uh, your you've got some experience with VR. What's your first VR headset that you do you uh, do you use? It's actually it's funny. I I got the uh, the uh, Rift S okay. uh, for my birthday last July, and uh, and that's that's the only one I've ever had. That's what I'm still using. I know the Quest and the Quest Two came out, um, but. Uh, you know, for me, it's it's less. I know that there's there's graphical improvements, but I tend to be kind of pragmatic in that this is not. You know, I'm not suffering using this experience, mm-hmm. so I don't feel a need to to jump to the next thing right away necessarily. Sure. I think the main thing that I'm excited for the new ones is uh, the hand tracking because mm-hmm. that's something that these older ones can't do necessarily. But of course, when you're talking about, and we'll talk a little bit about kind of the, the robotics integration type stuff that I see as being the future of VR and hand tracking is going to be an integral part of that because having the controllers, it there is a kind of a disconnect and it's kind of a layer between you and and kind of a truly immersive experience. Absolutely. absolutely. And of course, by that point, you know, you could end up where we have the Neuralink and, and you know, everything is simulated inside your brain anyway. So I don't know. But but I, I, I think that's the next thing I'm excited for is that idea of, you know, realistic hand tracking. Yeah, I, for, I absolutely agree. I, I, I think Rachel, <laughs> Rachel probably agrees, too. But it's I, I find that I have the Oculus Quest one and my the hand tracking doesn't quite work as it should. I, I find that mm. I it's it because it'll glitch every once in a while and because I'll miss something or I'll it'll get frustrating. So I'll just go back to the controllers and sort of, you, you know, sort of intuitively using the controllers. But I absolutely agree that once we be able to, once we're able to use our hands, that'll be a big step. I think the other big thing they're doing right now is the eye tracking. I think being able to uh, yeah. uh, fo- follow along um, in a realistic manner what the person's looking at i think that'll really help also um but but hand tracking yeah. and then and then of course then we get into the ready player one thing where we're doing the the treadmill and, and that's like the whole next level but um yeah but yeah yeah and that's that's you know the, the kind of stuff i want to look into too is that you know we'll I, I don't know at what point we'll start talking about kind of the the stuff that because right now what i'm working on is is scratching the surface but there's a lot of things that i you know and that's not to say that i am 
audacious enough to think I'm the only one who's going to try this. But I figure if I have the ability and the available technology, I'm just going to try and do fun stuff and, and interesting stuff. So things like locomotion, things like uh, um, mixed reality, making that easier, because really that's that's the big thing is that as the headsets are improving, you're also getting disadvantages. Like the all of the Quest systems are inside-out tracking, so you can't create systems where you have an external tracker. So, uh, you know, things like um, what's it called? What do they call it? Digital um, digital filming, I, whatever the the, the the industry term is, where they're using it inside the the game uh-huh. engine. Kind of the same thing they're doing for the Mandalorian. Yeah, so you're yes. talking about like the Mandalorian that has that big, huge uh, screen that yeah. that uh, uses. Which I mean, those those are yeah, those are bespoke systems, so you can't really compare it. But at the same time, you know, I the part of the background that I come from is I've always been fascinated with like the Arduinos, the the microcontrollers, things like that, where you you know you you can for fairly low cost jump into you know basic robot you know basic robotics basic um mechanical things so just grab some servos and do stuff and and obviously that's trivializing a lot of what the 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 greater challenges are here but at the same time it's like well what happens is is that the people who are in their garages just kind of like tinkering around are so often the ones who come up with something that it doesn't necessarily become the industry standard but it it's all working towards things that might be too risky for a company that is like, oh, well, we, we can't afford to invest in that kind of research. Whereas people who are doing it because they love it will just keep doing it. So, yeah, well, let, you know, that's that's kind of uh, sure. my so, perspective on that. So how so, so? Well, yeah, let's talk about that. So what is it exactly? So you're you're talking about. Um, uh, exterior sensors or how what are you what are you thinking? Well, the. The first project, to, to give an example that I'm working on, and I, I'm working on a video series to kind of talk about this on the YouTube channel because I'm kind of behind on there. But uh, if you follow the Instagram, there's a lot of shots of it. It's it's a tripod-mounted camera with a robotic head, and basically what it does is it maps one-to-one with a virtual camera inside the, the game engine. Like, for me, I use Unity. Um, and so what that does is... Anywhere the camera moves in the game, the real-life camera moves in the same place. So you stand in front of a green screen, and now instead of a static shot for all of your mixed reality stuff, say you're, you know, one of the, the, the thoughts I have is you're, you're hitting something, like a tennis ball, for example, and you hit it, and it orbits around some other object, and this camera is following it, and it's also following it in the real world, so you are moving, you know, comparatively the same way. Um, and, of course, that's, that's simple. It's just a nodal hand but at the same time you know that is kind of the framework because then you could step up theoretically to say a you know a six axis robotic arm that has a a virtual camera mounted on it and you could do crane shots you could do any of that kind of thing so um so the first project's pretty simple Uh, it's more of a proof of concept than anything um and so that's that's kind of where i'm starting at is what can i do that i'm confident that i have the ability to complete yeah and then you know, from there, just keep going. So, so you're saying, so you're creating this sort of arm that will be with the camera that is going to be able to, um, track externally what's happening, but how do you marry that with what's happening internally in the, in the headset? Hello, hello, Blim's a joke. Um, how do you marry that? What's happening internally? Like, how- well, so the, uh, essentially what you're doing is you take a microcontroller 
and that's that handles all of your hardware. And so you plug that into the computer and you just run a serial connection, which is just it just sends the raw data from your computer to your hardware. And on either end, you've got what that translates to for, in a coordinate sense. So in, in my case, it's, you know, you've got the the, uh, the, the basic version. It's, it, all it does is pan and tilt. And so what it's doing is the, the virtual camera in the game is sending a stream of, of data saying, okay, this is what the pan is. This is what the tilt is. The microcontroller receives that and translates it to, okay, this is what the physical one needs to be doing. So uh, obviously that's, that's making it very simple, but really if you have a background in programming or anything, you, you, you could look at that and say, okay, that's not, that's not that complicated to put together. Um, obviously, once you start talking about robotic arms and things, then yeah. you have a lot more geometry and a lot more mathematics to deal with. Um, and so, uh, it's it's something that I think my guess my guess is would scale. Me, sorry, guys. My guess is it would scale. In I, I love your dance moves, excellent. But uh, we're going to have to mute you for no, now. Enjoy yourselves. Yeah. It is, it is, uh, we are here to have fun. So that is true. Uh, that but is yeah. True. But yeah, so I think it's definitely one of those things where I would, um, I'm going to find that the, the scale of difficulty becomes uh, kind of exponential rather than linear. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm ready to face that. But at the same time, it's like, well, what can I do to pursue it in the, the capacity that I can now? And yes, whatever that is, that's what I'll do. So that sounds incredible. So what would be an application of that? Like, I'm just trying to like, how, like, how would a, uh, how would someone use it in their game or something or in their experience? Well, that one for right now is, is strictly to record mixed reality footage. Got it. So you would just mount a real world camera on that and, and stand in front of a green screen and basically superimpose yourself onto the game footage. Got it. And the reason that I wanted to do that partly because that's kind of the simplest project I could come up with first. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, I think that mixed reality is the best way to share the virtual experience with people who who can't or are reluctant to get into VR themselves. For sure. Because you can look at the first-person view, and I, you know, especially when you're standing at ground level talking to people, that gives you a, a, a good sense of what's going on, you, you know, on a, on a general level. But if I, you know, like when I came in, I was messing around trying to get around and I tried to get all the way up there. Yeah. And when you're standing in a really high place or, or looking at something really tall, you lose that sense of, of perspective. Whereas if you have a camera over here and it tilts and it shows you next to what that is, mm. then that gives a much more intuitive sense of what's going on and, and kind of how that feels. Uh, because I think that's a very, a very kind of low level biological uh, reflex is that when you see somebody in relation to their environment, then you get a much better sense of what that environment is to them. Yeah. Wow. That sounds great. I mean, it sounds very cool. Do you, have you, are you thinking of doing like a Kickstarter or something like that, or you're just uh, kicking it around in your garage for now? I've, I've thought about it. Um, obviously I want to get the, the proof of concept up and running and get that kind of bulletproof. But the problem that I have is that um, everything is very, uh, and this kind of goes back to that, that idea of being self-taught and kind of bootstrapping everything is that, there are some of the technical specifications that, that I just don't necessarily have the experience to, to automate for somebody to just plug into their computer and be like, okay, it's ready to go. Right. Um, like in this case, you, you know, you've got different ports and it kind of assigns a random one whenever you plug it in. So you have to know what, what communication port that's assigned to in the system. And so you have to put that into the code and, and there's ways to kind of make that automatic, but it's, it's all, uh, 
I, I don't know if it's something that is is in demand enough that that would make it uh, practical, you know? Right, right. Okay, well, you never know. I don't know. It sounds pretty cool to me. Okay, well, uh, so that so is that is that how you're integrating your robotics? Because you said you're really interested in, in robotic integration. Is that the robotic arm that you're talking about this, uh, or is there an, another portion to that? That would be kind of phase one. Uh, the way I see it is kind of there's there's three different phases. That the kind of mixed reality stuff would be the first, just because it's the simplest. Um, but the second thing that I really want to look at, and, and there's a lot of people already pursuing this, so somebody may come up with a really good solution, and I'm like, I don't need to do that. Um, is locomotion, and that you know, it, it's it's a tough question because whether you have a big kind of pedestal that you have to strap into and you're sliding your feet or you do like the, the one that I saw where it's, they, they've basically, you know, you put them on over your shoes and you kind of sit and you do it that way. Um, everything that I've seen so far has some limitation and I, I'm not by any means going to say that I'm a genius that has the right answer, but that's just something that I'd love to play around with and make, uh, make it more uh, accessible uh, because a lot of these systems, a lot, of, especially the full body, you know, when you're standing and you're using sliding your feet to do it, um, are in the four digits right mm -hmm. now. So uh, that's my other goal is to kind of maybe it's going to be something that's more for technically savvy people who can, you know, kind of DIY it like I am. But I want to share that because I, I don't like the the whole concept that it, it's it's an exclusive thing. I I, I like open source software. I like open source. Uh, you know, hardware as much as you can, because you still got to buy the hardware, but, uh, the plans to do it. And that's why I've always gravitated towards like the Arduinos because they're, they're cheap. They're made to be shared. You know, you throw the code up on there and it's going to be the same, no matter who's running it. Yeah. So, uh, so that's definitely part of my motivation. And, uh, yeah. and so that would be kind of act two of the story. And then act three, um, is kind of that crazy pie in the sky, audacious thing where, um, <laughs> I was I was watching a, a, a GDC talk by Jesse Shell from Shell Games, who do uh, I Expect You to Die and all those, mm -hmm. and I I really kind of respect him as kind of a visionary in uh, VR futurism because he was saying that when robots come into the home, it's essentially it's not going to be to make things easier for us. Like there'll be some of that, but essentially it's going to be, in his words, to play patty cake with us. Which is that, you know, if you're here and there's a wall right there and you reach out and touch it, there's going to be something that will, you know, put something to make it feel like there's a wall there. Or if you're reaching for a doorknob, that kind of thing, which, of course, is is incredibly hard to do hmm. and incredibly expensive and incredibly irrational. But luckily, I'm an irrational person. <laughs> and so, you know, so let me um, so that's kind of what I what I see as, as the, the end game. But of course, that's could be years down the road. So let me see if I got it straight. So you're basically saying I'm like, I'm in a video game I'm playing I'm, or in a virtual game, right? I'm, I'm, uh, I have a lightsaber battle with Darth Vader and the robot in my life will be the Darth Vader in real world so that my sword will actually hit another sword. That's, uh, that's madness. Right. Madness. I tell you that's, a, I mean, it's like, <laughs> it, that, it is. And it's, it, it's ridiculous and expensive, but you know, I think that's, that's what the draw of science fiction is, is that, sure. that we want to look at things that we can do that are theoretically possible. Um, and, and the funny thing is when you, when you look at it from the perspective of, you know, is this possible? Because if the answer is yes, then sometimes the answer is a lot easier than you expect. Sometimes it's a lot right. harder, so right. you know, take that as you will. Yeah. But uh, 
once you start really focusing on these things and it's like, well, what, how far can we take this? What can we totally. do with this? I, I, I'm going to need a more than a six by six foot, uh, space in my living room <laughs> if I'm going to be yeah. having Darth Vader duels. But I think that that would be, I think it would start in like, if you could imagine you could have like arenas or something, or like it would start in like an arcade, yeah. like a modern day arcade, which would be like an open space. And then you've got some robotic, uh, sort of people in there and some real people. That's totally, right. totally wild. I I guess it's like uh, you it's like that's like so the, the next stage might be that we can have characters that interact to us that are AI characters so they can they can riff off of what we're saying. Right. So then it's just like voice mm-hmm. uh, way to to um, be able to interact. And then the next yeah. stage after that is like, oh, they actually have a body that can then interact and dance and do sword fighting with us. Wow, that's like that's really wild. That's uh, that's that's awesome. Yeah. I don't know how far do you think that uh, that is? How far away do you think that is? I don't think it's as far as we think. Um, you know, speculation's always tough. Right, Todd the Beast is this gets coming. Think, yeah, yeah. Well, because you look at things like uh, the Void, um, yep. which. Uh, you know, because I live here in Southern California, so you've got, I don't know if it's still open now over at Downtown Disney. They had the Star Wars experience where you are, you know, you, you see yourself full body and somebody throws you a blaster and you see it and you catch it and you're like, it's a physical object that's tracked into the game. So you're seeing a lot of that kind of stuff happening already with kind of passive props, uh, things like that. And I think that through a combination of kind of... Uh, Smartly applied robotics, because like you were saying, a lot of a lot of the the environmental interaction itself, and this is something that I do see as being more possible with location based entertainment first. Um, but yeah, for the physical space, you have you can just set up an actual wall, um, and then if you, uh, for example, uh, what's it called? There, there's like the haptic. Uh, mm-hmm. Suit, well, I guess suits, you know, um, they're coming out with that kind of stuff where it's like now you have the opportunity where if somebody touches, you know, brushes your arm, then you can feel that. And it's like so I, I don't think that experiences that that bring that that kind of analogous experience to that are far away. Right. Um, to make it convincing, that's really the hardest part because, you know, it's, it's a constant iterative process that you start with the basics that it's like, well, I can see where this is going in kind of the same way that VR itself is right now. You know, you can see the potential um, and, and just kind of looking around here, you imagine the thought of, okay, now this, but in a photorealistic Blade Runner-esque world where rain's falling and it's like maybe we're just standing here under something that's blocking the, the rain and the lights are, you know, shining. And so so I think that in that way, it's definitely coming and it's going to be coming soon, but it's going to be a, an iterative process. Totally. Yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying about The Void when you put it that way. So I've been to The Void. So I used to live uh, like literally next door to the one in Santa Monica. And we used to, to go okay. there and, and did a bunch of, of those things. And it was like you would um, – you would pick up a ball at one point, like it was like an egg or something like that. And then you could actually pick it up. Mm. But in the game, it's actually looks like a magical egg or something. Uh, there was like treasures yeah. that you could get. There was uh, a torch that you could carry and light 
fight the way through a cave um and then they would have like hmm. mist coming down on you so i guess in that way they're for sure they were adding props that were then uh photographically placed into the game uh and tracking with you so i guess that that was existing and then i guess the next level would be you'd have very rudimentary kind of movements with another person there or something like that so that's uh, that's really interesting yeah i don't know i think that that that's uh i guess you know the problem is we had a guest on here uh charlie fink who was saying that those places like the void are never going to survive because economically they're very difficult to maintain and now especially with covid it's like i don't even know if those places still exist because they're right no one's going to put on a sweaty headset and like a sweaty haptic suit and like yeah. it's really uh, i mean until we get the the vaccine maybe then that'll change um they do say that yeah. they do say that once we come out of the pandemic, we're going to go into a, an age of debauchery and like <laughs> just you know everyone is just going to be free for all. Like you know, uh, it's like going to be ancient it's, it's Rome. It's going to be the, like the summer of love all over again. Yeah, exactly, but, uh, exactly. But no, I, I think that you know because I think that everything we're looking at right now is framed through that lens of what is going on with the pandemic and what's going on right. with kind of the social distancing and kind of the, the caution that we have. And I, I think that for a long time, we're going to be cautious around other people. But the reason that I, I would argue that uh, location-based entertainment is not necessarily going to be got, like, I agree that it's expensive and I agree that there are a lot of logistical problems and um, you know, COVID aside, there is, you have to be smart when you're running a business like that to, to keep it running for sure. But on the other hand, I would argue bowling alleys are still around. You know, <laughs> you go and you put on somebody else's shoes and you you have this experience. And especially because it's a social experience, um, I think that's that's the key thing is that really what kind of the pandemic mindset has done to us for the, the, the case for personal VR. Uh, I think that's really what is what's going to happen for social kind of all, all kinds of social interactive experiences down the road. Yeah. So that's definitely, I think something I, I'm optimistic about it. Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pragmatic and realistic about the, <laughs> the, the difficulties for sure. Yeah. But I think that it's definitely going to be a, a possibility that, that the places like that will continue to thrive. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it was it was really fun. You go in with a bunch of friends and you're the Avengers, right? And you're fighting off against, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some uh, I don't think it was Thanos. I can't remember who it was. It was the robot guy. What was that guy's name? Al- Altira. Oh, it was Ult- Ultron. Ultron. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's pretty cool. And then I can imagine a, an AR version of that also where you, you're like you're, you're you're taking it out into the park and it's like, oh, OK, well, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to be the Scarlet Witch and I'm going to be this guy. And then we're going to fight as like, you know, the bad guys are on the uh, in the the distance or they're coming at us in the park or something yeah. like that. that'll be the cool ar version too i think those are like the baby steps to getting to where you're you're talking about i guess yeah and i mean as much as because i i'm one of those people that one of the things that frustrates me about the standalone headsets is battery life and things like that mm-hmm. um because when i mean i I've, I've got a family i've got kids i don't tend to marathon game anymore but when i did you know i would always it, it would frustrate me because like we're talking about back in like my high school days and play Pokemon and I had the Game Boy and it was, you know, you just eat up batteries. And so like now at least you can recharge them, but it still frustrates me. I'm like, just, just let me plug it in. Uh, but one of the things that's really good is that you, you do have that opportunity to take your quest or your quest to out and you can be in the park. You can be, you know, 
on your on your driveway even where you have kind of this wide open space that you don't have to dedicate and sequester a whole portion of your house for and um and i think that that's that's definitely a, a good step for everybody right. is that it lets it lets people get into room scale and larger scale vr experiences without um you know, having a ton of money to rent out a warehouse for it. You right. know? Also a little dangerous, though. You don't want to be doing your quest and then jumping in front of a bus by accident. <laughs> but hopefully we will we'll be doing that. Uh, how's it going, Ashley? Abstract. I love your uh, I love your your color coordination. there. That's really cool. Le Quabois. Le Quabois. I think that's what it is. And uh, Limerick, anyone have any questions for uh, for our, our man here, Tradigia Games? If you do, just use the raise hand option and uh, and feel free to jump in. Um, okay, so then, so um, I guess you haven't been working on the plots of the games yet. You're working on the tech. You're working on the hard stuff. And if you ever need help, right. with, if you ever need help with plots, you know, uh, old fart and I, we got a bunch of ideas. So just uh, <laughs> just let us know. Well, that's yeah, that's that's part of my problem is that when it comes to actually writing the games, and this is why I've I've come to the realization that it's it, I'm not a good candidate for working on games as a, a, a solo developer. Because I think like a writer. And so, you know, I grew up with Lord of the Rings and, uh, you know, things like um, Final Fantasy series for like the PlayStation. So I, I, I always envision these sweeping epic stories. And uh, and it's way outside the scope of what any single person can achieve. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, I'll try and pare it down. I'll try and pare it down. And I just find that I'm still outside of my scope. So I'm like, you know, I'm just going to work on the tech because that's easier than trying to fit fit that into something that... You know, like I won't I won't say bad about games that have a simple mechanic, but that's never drawn me. That's never been something right. that I'm I, because I feel like whatever I tried to do because I was trying to do what I wasn't feeling passionate about. It would just be derivative. Right. That makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, um, so, yeah, you just will, you know, well, hopefully uh, someone out there, some uh, brilliant uh, game writer is, 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 can, who can scale down their ideas <laughs> is listening and they're going to reach out to you because we're going to give them your uh, contact info at the end here. But I think we've talked a little bit about where you think the future is headed. Is there anything else you thought you'd add to that? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think it's just, uh, you know, the main thing would just be that if you do have any interest in getting into VR development, uh, there's so many resources now where, you know, like I said, I, I've worked, I, I, I'm actually a watchmaker for my professional oh, life. Yeah. Um, and that's what I've been doing for the last 15 years. Uh, and it's, it's good. It's kind of hit the trifecta of what I thought a career level opportunity was, which is, you know, it, it pays pretty well, it's secure and I'm pretty good at it. But at the same time, you just kind of end up where, if you're not creating something and you're a person who has that creative drive, it becomes like this insatiable uh, need that arises. And so of course, then you end up with the burnout cycle and things like that, where you're like, okay, well I'll, I'll pursue this and I just won't sleep. And of course that lasts for a little while, but uh, no, just, just pretty much. I think that, um, you know, my, my in closing would be, I think that if you are inclined, I mean, I suppose not just even game design, but anything that you're passionate about, there's so many options to find ways to do things now online that, uh, you know, just go for it. Um, and I think that in the same way, like I, I'm trying to put myself out there and, and share the things that I learn and pass it along. But of course, like I said, I'm still at very much the beginning of my journey there. Um, and you know, maybe down the road, I would love to come back and we can, we can revisit what it is that I've achieved by that point. But, you know, anybody who's here or anybody who's listening to the podcast, I just want to be, you know, the, the voice to say, if there's something that you're doing that you don't feel like is really practical, just do it. 
you know, just find a way to do it. Um, and kind of the best way to do it is just to be open to talking to people who uh, can help you on that path. Cause that's the mistake I made for a long time is that, you know, I wouldn't have come on something like this. I wouldn't have talked to people because I, I felt like, you know, I, I haven't made it. I haven't gotten to where I need to be. But of course, if you don't get to the point where you're making stuff, you're never going to quote unquote make it. So it's like, you know, just just go for it. That's that's my thoughts. Absolutely. And hopefully um, we can get people in touch with you and they can uh, give you a helping hand and fill in the, the pieces that, that you need in this big puzzle, this big tapestry you're creating. So how can people get in touch with you? Uh, there's I mean, kind of the, the main thing. My main focus has been my YouTube channel, just Pretty J Games. Um, uh, I'm just under 100 subs, so I should be able to get my URL soon. Right now, it's that crazy long string. Uh, but if you do a search for Pretty J Games, it'll come up. Um, and then on, on Instagram, I tend to be a little more active just because it's easier to put up a picture than it is to produce a video. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, those are kind of the main ones. I have a Facebook page, but I'm not really too much of a fan because the notifications seem kind of weird. So, uh, but Instagram, I can, you know, it's, it's probably the best way to reach me directly because you can do the, the, the messaging, um, if you're so inclined to, to want to talk about anything, but yeah, I'm always down to meet new people. I'm always down to, you know, speculate about what options might be for, for ideas and what people want to do. Um, like I said, by no means am I going to say I'm a master of anything, but I, I like to think that I'm one of those people who's curious enough that you can come up with, with ideas that, uh, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I got the thumbs down. Um, thumbs down. But yeah, no, I think that, uh, I don't know. I think that it's just one of those things where you just have to be, the, the, the future I think is, is social. I think that VR is kind of an extension of the same thing that we get from social media where you can just meet new people. And there are so many people who have uh, similar drives and similar interests and and can help you with those projects and i mean i'm one of those people if if i can i will and if i can't i'll be straight with you and say you know i wish you the best but, but you know i just can't help you with this particular thing absolutely cool all right. Well, thank you for teleporting into this Worldcast of Simulation Nation, whether you're with us in virtual reality or 2D or listening to the podcast a week from now on Spotify or iTunes. And remember to subscribe to our Instagram at The Simulation Nation, Twitter at SimNationVR, Facebook and Discord, and join us next week for our interview with the New York Times bestselling author of The Simulation Hypothesis, Rizwan Verk. Until then, stay plugged, my friends.